Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. That will be our text. First of all, I would like to take time to review some of the things that we've been speaking on and about. But first, shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name for your holy written word, knowing that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you now for the spirit of truth to guide and direct our hearts into all the truth, to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom understanding of all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of your word and demonstration of the spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As an act of our will, we are attentive, our hearts are receptive, and our minds are open. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about the spirit of revival. And we've said that the spirit of revival is upon us. We said that God is moving by His spirit. He is, that's present tense, moving by His Spirit. We said that He is searching our hearts, the hearts of His people. He is trying the reins. Why? To determine whose hearts are upright toward Him and before Him. Because it is His yearning desire to show Himself strong, to show Himself mighty, to show Himself powerful, in the midst of his people. God has always yearned and longed for this. To show himself to be a strong, mighty, powerful, living God among his people. And that's what he so desires to do among us. And of course, all of his children upon the earth. So he is moving by his spirit, trying the hearts and reins to determine whose hearts are upright before him why does he want to live big among his people number one he wants to arouse the sleeping church number two he wants to preserve alive his work in the earth and of course number three most importantly also he wants to draw in the heathen see people think that God is against the sinner out there but he's not against the sinner out there He's against the sin that they commit. He, he doesn't like sin, but he loves the sinner. And we all know that, for God so loved the world. Notice, number one, he wants to arouse the sleeping church. Number two, it's his desire to preserve his work alive. And number three, he desires to draw in the non-believer, the heathen world those who are out there who lie in darkness. And you know, for so long we've tried, and so many have tried in their own strength to do it, but have fallen short and failed because they have failed to realize that this cannot and will never be accomplished 
apart from the powerful manifestation of the Spirit of God among the people of God. People, God's people will not be brought into unity without the power of the Holy Ghost. God's people will not be stirred into unity without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is His dispensation to move upon the lives and the hearts of God's people and to move in a mighty way in their midst to cause the body of Christ to come into unity and harmony. We see that demonstrated in Acts chapter 4. When they prayed, the place was shaken by the presence and power of God's Spirit and they were all of one heart, one mind, and of one accord. What accomplished that? The awesome presence of God in their midst. Not great oratorical skills, not great vocal, vocalists, people who sing great songs and, and all that. People of God, it was the power and the presence and the holiness of a living God being in manifestation in a tangible way among the people of God that had its effect upon the lives and the hearts of those within and also upon those without. I mean, the people of God had a godly reverential fear to such a degree that they realized to sin against God, to do anything to bring sin into the camp of God could possibly result in their death. Ananias and Sapphira. And the people without, they wouldn't dare join themselves. My goodness, not with those people. There was such a power and presence of God that they feared that. Do you see that? People on the outside, they wouldn't get near it. It had a twofold effect, within and without. Within, of course, the people of God had a God of reverential fear. But without, those people had a fear, my goodness. They wouldn't want to even pretend to be hypocrites. They wouldn't want to get near because of the power of God that was in such tremendous manifestation. First of all, you say, why does the sleeping church need to be aroused? Or why is the church even asleep? How many of you know that the church, a major part of the church, is intoxicated with religion? As much as we would like to dismiss it and say it's not true. The church, a major part of the church, is intoxicated with religion. Amen. And when that happens, the church becomes a house of religious form, denying the power of the living God. How many of you know that the church... A major part of the church of the living God is doped up with the affairs of this life. Doped up with the affairs of this life and lacking in concern when it comes to the affairs of God. You say, how do you know that's being doped up? Because... Jesus said that the devil would work against the heart of, of people, the hearts of people, and what he would do would, would cause them to be caught up in the cares of this life and the lust of other things. It would be a definite work against the work of God to have people caught up with the affairs of this life. 
to such a degree that there is a lacking of concern when it comes to the things of God or the affairs of God and the work of God. And when that happens, once again, people begin to go to sleep spiritually. And they need to be aroused. They need to be awakened, shaken by the Spirit of God so that they can wake up to righteousness, get involved with what God is doing. Also, people are high within the body of Christ, and this is a sad scenario, but we've got to give the negative as well as the positive. They are high on the lust of the flesh. High on the lusts of the flesh. They've had religion, they've had their experience with God, but they're caught up. I'm talking about the professing church. See, I don't buy this, what people say. Well, if they're living according to the dictates of the flesh, they never knew Jesus. I don't believe that. I said, I don't believe that. I believe you can come to Jesus Christ and profess faith, and I believe you can have a born-again experience, and if you so desire, go back and walk according to the lust of the flesh. You can walk and lead your life according to the lusts of the flesh if you so desire. It doesn't mean they're not born again. It just means that they're walking after the dictates of the flesh. They're sowing after the flesh, not after the spirit. And we see that happening within the body of Christ. Much of that happening within the body of Christ. You say, how are we going to get them out of it? It may be your loved one, someone in your family or, or whoever. How are we going to get them out of it? We try everything. And like I said, a major part of our trying is in the flesh. I'm just going to take them the Word of God and shove it right down their throat. How far does that get us? I'm going to beat them over the head with the Word and show them how to live right for God. Thank God we can walk the love walk before them and they can see the life of God and the love of God. But people, I strongly believe, except there be an outpouring of God's Spirit and a mighty wave and move and manifestation of the tangible presence of a living God, many will not be aroused. Many will not be aroused. They'll stay asleep. That's what will happen. They'll stay asleep. Just like in the days of Jesus. I mean, sign after after sign, miracle after miracle, it took to get some of the hardest cases of people saved. There were many Jews who would have never come to Jesus except Lazarus was raised up from the dead. You know what kind of effect that had upon the lives of those religious people? I mean, it stirred Judaism to its foundation. You know that? It shook it. And many still not, didn't believe, that's true, but many did who otherwise would have not believed if it were not for that great move of God and that power that raised up Lazarus from the dead that was in demonstration. Also, people are doped up with complacency and compromise, where they have compromised the, the, the genuine move of God and they're complacent with what they have, in what they have. They're satisfied that they're religious. They're satisfied that they go to church. They're satisfied that they pay their tithes and all that, and they're on their way to heaven. And they're asleep when it comes to the things of God. They're asleep when it comes to the true manifest presence of God and power of God in a tangible way. They're asleep when it comes to experiencing reality with the living God. 
And yes, they're seeking help and crying out for help, but they don't realize that the help that they need is spiritual. And for the most part, many will turn to the arm of the flesh only to find out that the arm of the flesh, for the most part, is bankrupt. And how much they fall short when it comes to truly meeting the needs of mankind. Secondly, we talked about preserving the work of God in the earth. Whenever the church experiences a tremendous move of God and a revival takes place, we have noticed throughout church history that the people of God, through, com through compromise and complacency, once again entered into that state of slumber and sleep. God moved by His Spirit. We talked about the many revivals, the emphasis of the Spirit upon holiness, upon tongues, upon healing, upon the manifestations of the Spirit, upon personal faith and the believer's authority. We talked about all those things. But you'll notice that every time a wave of God's Spirit comes, the tendency is for the people of God, once again, after they've been stirred, is to slip back into a state of slumber and sleep and disinterest. Lethargy. Why is that? Why does that happen? Because God doesn't want us to live by the experience of the Spirit, by the spectacular manifestations of the Spirit, it is desire, his desire that the people of God who are the just, that they live by faith and still have realized in their, in, in, among them the presence of God in a mighty powerful way, but not just because God is, is choosing to move, but because they believe from their heart to see the glory of God. And you know, God tries the heart. He searches it out. He knows whether or not we're just waiting for an experience, looking for a spectacular manifestation or whether or not we are hungry from within. See, He knows that. And I guarantee you, people of God, where people are hungry, they will see the manifest presence of God. They will experience the glory of God. There is one, one occurrence that took place back in the 1900s that we skipped over. Actually, not skipped over, I just didn't bring it out at the time. But I was reminded after listening to a dear brother who graduated from Rama Bible Church in, in South Africa talking about the ministry of John G. Lake in the early 1900s in South Africa. And many of you know who have read his books here that we have at the church, that John G. Lake was mightily called of God and mightily used of God in, bringing, in uh, uh, taking a revival over to the South African nation. And the people of God over there in South Africa, they saw a power of God, they saw the, the working of God in such a tremendous, mighty way that they, they knew that God truly was present in their midst. See, once again, God needs to keep His work revived, preserved alive here upon the earth. And when people go to sleep and become complacent through compromise, God's, maybe some people will get saved once in a while, but you know what? People are not being spirit-filled. People are not being healed in their bodies, delivered by the power of God from demon influences and all that. And they're turning to or trusting in and relying upon the arm of the flesh. And so once again, God has to move by His Spirit upon those who are yielded vessels and then he takes revival to different lands among different peoples. And here Brother Lake was used in a mighty way to take the power of God and the glory of God before these people. He was instrumental in establishing 550 Pentecostal churches in South Africa in a period of five years. Can you imagine that? 
550 Pentecostal churches in a period of five years were established because this man gave his life to God. And I would recommend that anybody read his life story about how God sent him to South Africa. It's, it's amazing working of God. He gave up, first of all, his ambitions in life, making a tremendous amount of money working in insurance and that sort of thing. $50,000 a year way back when, way back then, in the early 1900s, he was making enough money, you know, to be satisfied, but he wasn't satisfied. He had a heart hunger for God after God that just could not be filled with, with uh, material goods. And so God sent him over there and used him in a mighty way, established 550 churches in a five-year period in South Africa, and it's the largest Pentecostal work there even today. But this brother went on to say, you know what happened? It represents the largest Pentecostal work, but it does not resemble this day what it did back then. No resemblance whatsoever. Pentecostal work, where that brother brought the power of God in such a way, it was in such tremendous manifestation that he had to, he laid his hands upon a pole one day and the, one night because he was so used of God and so tired and, you know, because of the power of God that was upon him all the time and people would come from all around just to touch the pole and get healed. Hundreds, not thousands, hundreds of thousands of healings were recorded in that five-year period that shook the nation. It was so far-reaching that people came from every direction uh, to witness the glory and the power of God in manifestation. But what happened to the people? You know, we talk about those times in the great revivals, but what happened to the people of God after that? From that time to this, everything has changed. They became religious. They called it a Pentecostal work, but few were being spirit-filled and speaking with other tongues. They call it Pentecostal work, but few were being healed and delivered by the power of God like they once were. And as far as the manifest presence of God is concerned and the, and the gift of the Spirit being in operation, that began to cease. You know why? Because people, just like here, just like everywhere that, you know, we've seen God move, what happened? People began to get in excess, wildfire and fanaticism, so other people just began to back off, just back away from the move of God. Back away from the manifestations of the Spirit. Back away from this tongues business. I don't want to get caught up in that. You never know what happened. Why? Because these people out here, they're extremists. They're fanatical. Look, what, look, look what's going on. Misuse, abuse of the things of God led into this complacency and compromise. So they sat back and compromised the things of God. Supposedly believing in healing but not practicing it. Supposedly believing in the gifts of the Spirit but not allowing them to be in manifestation within the local body because somebody of great importance might walk in to one of the services, especially on a Sunday morning. Or if there were those who would attempt to be used in the Spirit, they were so far removed from understanding how to be used in the things of God, they would just get off into some things that absolutely probably just grieve the Spirit of God to such a degree and, and make people just so afraid to move out in God that it would be hard for us to believe. For an example, there were those, he was talking about those who would, who would supposedly be under the anointing of God's Spirit during a worship service and he would stand up and begin to prophesy. Well, he began to prophesy and he said, you know, there is a fear coming upon the earth. This is thus saith the Lord. There is a fear coming upon all the land. Such a fear that even I, the Lord thy God, am afraid. Think about that. 
Now, that would be funny if it wasn't so pathetic, wouldn't it? Even I, the Lord thy God, am afraid. Then others would do the same thing. This happened to be during the Christmas season. And this fellow would stand up and give a long prophecy and speak out supposedly by the utterance of the Holy Ghost and end the prophecy by saying, And the Lord wish thee all a Merry Christmas. Well, it was nice of him to know that it was Christmas time and he wished us all a Merry Christmas. Nice of the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> Once again, it would be funny if it wasn't so pathetic. Then there was another, <laughs> another time that this one fellow just, I mean, he was just on fire, just, just Spirit of God moving in such a mighty way. And he stood up and began to prophesy. And he said, you know, as Abraham, thus saith the Lord, as Abraham, my servant, led my people out of Egypt. And he began to go on prophesying about Abraham, leading his people out of Egypt, and just prophesied and prophesied and just kept going on. Finally, he sat down. I mean, now people would just, you know, you're in service. People would just be quiet about it. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to laugh. Because it's, you know, religious. Finally, after he realized what he had done, he stood up. Now, notice this. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me, but certain said, Thus saith the Lord, sorry, I made a mistake. It wasn't Abraham, it was Moses. Well, that's good for him to know, for us to know that he made a mistake. But I, I don't know about you, I don't think God gets afraid. And I don't think he makes mistakes. I know that we do. But things like this, you see, keep people from stepping out and, and being used of God because of fear. And that is a fear that comes upon people's lives. Because we only have interest in spiritual things on Sunday morning and don't take the time to seek His face and wait before Him. I've got some prophecies from, from a Brother Lake that were given at that particular time of his ministry in my filing cabinet that'll make your hair stand up. I'm talking about how he prophesied the power and the move of God in such a mighty way. But from that time to this, look what happens. There's another one that stood up and he prophesied this, and this was good. And, and he said, uh, well, they were praising God, worshiping God, you know, like we do. And then all of a sudden he began to prophesy and said that your praise is sweet even unto me. Yea, it is even good for my health. Now, I don't know about you, but it's good that God, you know, is healthy. Aren't you glad that God is healthy? How many of you ever thought he got sick? I never thought he got sick. People of God, it's time to be aroused. It's time to wake up. It's time for us to seek out and pursue the things of God genuinely from our hearts and not to be satisfied with all this that's out here. It's time he is saying that my people awaken to the things that belong unto me and rise up in the power of the Spirit and get lost in my presence and allow me to move in great manifestation of my power upon their lives and yield themselves unto me that truly I may speak through my people. And that I would demonstrate my power through my people. And that I would work the working of my power in the midst of my people. This is what God is saying. He's saying it to us at this hour, not just to those who are in ministry, people of God. He is saying it unto us, for we are the children 
of the Most High God. And when people sit back and say, I'm disinterested in that, or I'm not going to get caught up in that because of the wildfire, because of the excess, because of the misuse, I'm not going to yield myself over under that stuff. I don't want to be involved in that sort of thing. He says, look, wake up. Just because of the counterfeit that's out there, just because of, the, of those that are misusing the, the things of God out there, don't fall asleep. Wake up and be aroused. And realize that these things are genuine and they are needed if the work of the Lord is going to be done. A revival to revive the work of God, which is the working of the Spirit of God in the life of an individual so that people all around will know the truth that these people or that person is in contact, direct, vital contact with the power of a living God. That's what he's saying. Wake up and be aroused. There's never been a greater day in which to live, people of God. This is a great hour in which we do live. I want you to notice in this scripture here the third thing we need to bring out in Psalms 111. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, but I want you to write it down. Another reason why he wants to show himself strong is so that he can draw in the heathen or the unbelieving people. We can pass out tracts and have limited success. We can knock on doors and have limited success. How many of you have knocked on doors? How many of you have gone soul winning out there and knocked on doors? How many of you have been turned away for the most part almost everywhere you go? Why is that? How many of you have walked up and down the streets and you've, you've, you've tried to witness out there for the Lord Jesus Christ to get souls saved? But yet, just to have people to turn away from you and say, well, I'll do it my way, you do it yours. What's happened to that ministry? Beloved, I believe the same thing is true with the ministry of witnessing. Same thing has happened with that ministry. It's happened with many other ministries within the local body of Christ is that there's a lot of religious form behind it, but you know what? There's no power. I said there's no power behind it. There's no energy of the Spirit energizing that work. And for the most part, a lot of it is done in the flesh. And because it's done in the flesh without the power of the Spirit, it doesn't have the results. It doesn't produce the results that God would have. And that's why God is saying to us by His Spirit, it is time that you step aside. It is time that you allow change. It is time that you open up. And allow me to move in a mighty way by the power of my spirit so that I can accomplish and achieve what I want done here in this earth as I so intended. Here's the example. Moses, go lead my people out of Egypt. Moses, I have a work that you are to do and fulfill. So Moses goes. And in the flesh he tries to do what God said for him to do. And what happens? Not a whole lot gets himself in trouble and finally finds himself on the backside of a mountain for 40 years, God getting him straightened out so that he can finally use him in a, in a positive way, the way he wanted him to be used. He couldn't kill one Egyptian without getting himself into trouble. But when he finally was aroused, when he finally woke up, when he finally began to see, it was not because he was somebody of great importance, 
but it was because he knew somebody of great importance and stepped aside and allowed God to use him like he wanted to. Beloved, then he was instrumental in having the entire Egyptian army destroyed right before their face and getting God's people delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians, taking them on the other side of the Red Sea, headed toward the Promised Land. And although he never fulfilled that by getting them all the way in, although it was God's plan and desire, he still, by the power of God's Spirit, worked a mighty work for God and made a tremendous impact upon the lives of the people in the earth. And that's what God is saying to us at this hour. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Underline that. Underscore. His work is honorable and glorious. His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He hath showed His people the power of His works. Why? That He may give them the heritage of the heathen. Why does God want to show Himself strong and reveal the power of His works among His people to give them the heritage of the heathen? Now, go, go to Psalm 67. We'll tie it together. Psalm 67. Psalm 67, verse 5 and 6. Well, we'll read right on through. Let's start with verse 1. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. Selah. Think about it. That thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Selah. Stop and think about it. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then, everybody say then. Amen. Then what? Then shall the earth yield her increase. We talk about reaping the harvest of the precious fruit of the earth. We talk about the earth yielding her increase. We talk about the outpouring of, of the latter rain, God's Spirit moving upon the lives of people. Why? So that they would praise Him. Why? So His power would be in manifestation in a tangible way among them. Why? So His works would be preserved among them. Why? So that then, glory to God, then the earth would yield her increase. And God, even our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. What was the result of the manifest presence of God? The people of God feared Him. Are you listening? People of God, listen. The people of God feared Him. They wouldn't dare walk off into sin. They wouldn't dare walk off in, in the wrongdoing. Why? Because they feared the consuming fire of His holiness. They were working out their own salvation with fear and with why wouldn't the people on the outside join themselves under them? Because they feared the glorious power of a living God. Not a religious God. 
a God of reality, a God of power, a God of might. And you'll notice that when the people of God got together to praise Him and lift up their voice to Him with perfected praise, there was a manifest presence of God that shook the very foundations where they assembled together. And that effect, you see, was within and also without upon the people. Fear. You know, how many of you know the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? I believe, for the most part, a lot of people have lost the fear of the Lord. I believe that. That's why they enter into compromise and complacency. They've lost the fear of God. Beloved, our God is a holy God. Our God is a consuming fire and is a fearful thing to be in His hands. Our lives, our salvation is to be worked out with fear and with trembling. I believe that God our Father once restored within the body of Christ godly reverential fear where God's people dare not walk out into sin, darkness, and wrongdoing for fear. I heard somebody say it on a religious broadcast just the other day. I believe those people that preach that they, that they can lose their salvation and all that, they're all preaching wrong doctrine. Yeah, I know. That's coming from the doctrine of devils right there. Because they don't want to hear that. They want to hear you can live like the devil and still go to heaven. That's what they want to hear. Teachers having itchy ears. People want that so they can have their ears tickled. No, beloved. You hear a doctrine like that. That's a result of people walking away from the truth and not rightly dividing the word of truth. What a man soweth, the same shall he also reap, and that will ring throughout the eternal ages. We're not going to live like the devil and make heaven. How many of you know that? I said, how many of you know that? Well, the time has come that people have a godly reverential fear. And you know when it's going to be realized among the people of God? Is when they come to church and there is such a power and a presence of a holy powerful, mighty, living God that when they walk in the doors, if they walk in with their sin, they're either going to get holy before God or walk back out the doors for fear that they might die. Say amen or say me. Beloved, God is God's not changed. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is powerful. He is mighty. And He desires to show Himself that way within our midst. He wants people to be aroused. He wants them to be awakened. How many of you remember that almost for a year we were talking about the restoration of the church? We we're talking about the church being restored once again back into a house of purity, prayer, power, and perfected praise. Remember that? Well, I want you to, to, to view these two scriptures in that light. I want you to notice how it talks about when the people of God praise thee, then shall the earth yield her increase. And I want you to notice that God is, is speaking by His Spirit saying, I want to search the hearts of my people to determine whether or not they are what? Pure. Pure. Motivated with pure motivation. Pure desires. Pure attitudes. Purification that comes how? Not by the works of the flesh, but by the blood of the Lamb of people who know that they cannot be pure before God just by doing things out here, works of the flesh. By going to church, by paying their tithes, by doing this and do, doing service for God. All that is good and it has its place in, in, our, in our lifestyle. 
But, beloved, purity of heart is from within, and it comes only by the blood of the Lamb. Purification comes by the blood of Jesus. That is, by His blood we are purified, we are clean, and we are a holy people, not because of what we do out here. But because we are pure and holy vessels unto God, we see to it that we don't use our vessels as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, that we would stand impure before our living God. And he's saying, I'm searching the hearts, I'm trying the reins, I want to determine whose hearts are upright, so this revival will be birthed among my people. I want to show myself strong, I want to demonstrate my power in a tangible way upon the earth. He is saying, I want my people to be a people of prayer. Secondly, we talked about. What do you mean prayer? Hold your place. This, this is Psalm 63, page back. Psalm 63. Prayerful, meaning I want my people to have a heart hunger after righteousness, after reality that will not be satisfied until I show myself strong and alive within their midst. Until I reveal my glory and my power in a tangible way. I want my people to have a heart hunger. I want them to pray. We're talking about this kind of praying. Those who want His works and manifestation, they will seek Him with their whole heart. For those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? Filled. Filled with what? Filled with the glory and the power and the holiness of the living God. That's what they'll be filled with. The character of God, the love of God, the faith of God, the power of God, the might of God. They will be filled with God Himself. And He is saying unto us, just as David is saying, right, He is saying unto us, I am searching the heart and I want my people to be hungry within their hearts. I want them pure within their hearts, but I want them hungry within their hearts. I want them to hunger and thirst after what I have. I don't want them to be complacent. I don't want them to be satisfied. I don't want them to compromise. I want them to be hungry and not satisfied until they are filled with my righteousness, filled with reality, filled with my power, filled with the might of my glory. I want them to be dissatisfied until they can only be satisfied with me in their lives. That's what he's saying by his Spirit. David said, O God, verse 1, Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. And that's what it says back there in Psalm 111, they're sought after. Early will I seek thee. Why? Because my soul is thirsting for thee, my flesh is longing for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and to see thy glory, not to see religious tradition, not to see religious form, not to, see, not to be entertained, not to be tickled in my ears, not to have a social event, occurrence, or activity. He said, I long after thee. I'm hungry. I am thirsty. I'm not satisfied until I see the power and the glory of my living God as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. And I will not rest. I will not stop. I long for thee, David is saying, to see your power, to see your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. Why? Because your loving kindness is better than life itself and my lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name and then my soul will be satisfied. See? 
people of God, we are to be dissatisfied until we are satisfied in God. We are to desire toward God until we get desires from God. And then those desires are realized within our midst. We are to enter into His presence through this kind of praying, this kind of seeking after Him, until because we have sat in His presence, we have those desires that come from Him that reveal to us His plan for our lives. And then also He imparts unto us not only the plan that He has, but also imparts unto us the wisdom and the grace that is needed to carry out and fulfill that plan that He has for our lives. It includes every one of us as a body and also as individuals. Young people, if you're looking for God's will, don't be satisfied. Don't give up. You have the longing, yearning desire to be in His presence until you are filled with the impartation of what His will is for your life and the wisdom and the grace to carry it out. He's saying, I'm looking for those kind of people. But I asked him once, that's not what he's looking for. You will not stop. You will seek. You will not quit. You will find. That's what he's saying. That's what he means. Seek until you find. Seek with your whole heart and you'll find me. That's what diligence is. Persevering application. Not just hit and miss. I will not stop until I'm satisfied with the glory and the power of the living God in my life. I will not be satisfied until my thoughts have become agreeable to His will and my plans are established and succeed. He is looking for a people who hunger and thirst for this. Why? Thirdly, to be a church or a house of power. He does not want us to have our faith developed in the wisdom of men. He wants our faith developed in the power of the living God. And people of God, for too long a time right now, people, you can just watch it and see it happen. That people are more dependent upon the arm of the flesh than they are dependent upon the power of the living almighty God. Even though man's resources are bankrupt and he always falls short, seemingly in the body of Christ, the major part of it, there is a, a greater dependency and greater confidence in the things of man than, than in the things of God. And God is saying, look, I'm not bankrupt. My resources are overflowing. My house is filled and full of good things. I have all good things to give and all that your heart desires. I have it. It's right here. All you've got to come and, all you have to just come and receive it. He wants us to be so filled and full of His power in, inwardly, internally, here, beloved, right here in this place, that we are so blessed of the Lord that there is an overflow of this abundance of glory and power that will flow out from us and just get on other people out there. And they will actually be jealous and want what we have. That's what He wanted to do with the Israelites, was to, was to get them so filled with and full of God that the people on the outside were jealous and envied what the Israelites had. I remember the first time I met a dear brother in the Lord and I saw what he had. I was j just, just right there at the point of conversion getting saved. And, but I saw that this person had God in his life. He had a, a lot of God within his life. And you know what? I was jealous over it. You know, that's a good kind of jealousy. People, do you know that? That's a good kind of jealousy. I was jealous. I envied what he had. I said, how did you get what you have? And you know what? I just took off. 
I just took off and got into the Word of God. And I began to, to get into God's Word to find out how He got what He had. You know what, beloved? When you have that attitude, God will not disappoint you. Why does He want us to be a house of perfected praise? And we're going to get into some of these other things, but why does He want us to be a house of perfected praise? All this was really to, to, to prepare us for this coming revival, for this revival that we're in right now. People of God, why does He want us a house of perfected praise? Because when the saints of God, when the people of God begin to praise God in a perfected, mature way, do you know what happens? Go on back to that psalm again, Psalm 67. When the people of God begin to praise Him in an immature way, when they are perfected in praise and worship Him in spirit and in truth, verse 5, Let the people praise Thee, O God. Let all the people praise Thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. When God's people abandon forms of worship that do not provide the power and the holiness of a living God, when they begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know, that's, that's hard language for us to understand right now because we've been so religious. We've got to sing songs this way, we've got to do that, and seemingly this kind of worship is foreign to, to so many. We've kind of gotten to the rut that a religious service means you come in and sing three songs, you do that, sing this song, sing that song, this, this hymn or whatever, and I'm not satisfied unless it's done that way. People of God, I'm sorry, but God is speaking and saying unto all of us, it is time that the saints of God be perfected in the praise of God and begin to worship Him from their hearts in spirit and in truth and offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of their lips, giving thanks unto His name from a joyful thankful, grateful heart and begin to lift up their voices in a perfected way in praise that'll shake the foundations. Why? Because God will appear in the midst of the people. His tangible anointing and, and manifest presence will be among them. It'll be so powerful. It'll be so mighty that it'll flow through their lives and for those who are here among them in that presence, they're going to do one of two things, brother. They're going to run out the back door or they're going to run to the altar. It'll just be like liquid love just flowing from the very body of Christ, like liquid love flowing out in every direction, just like a volcano that lets go and it begins to take everything in its path. Well, beloved, it'll be the liquid love of God endued with the power of God's Spirit flowing in a mighty way all around, meeting the needs of hurting people, hurting humanity who are out there, meeting the needs that can only be met by the power and the presence of a living God. Spiritual needs, emotional needs, and physical needs. And then all the rest. Thank God for all the material needs that can be met. But you know what? Let's put first things first. Spiritually, man must be delivered from sin and from the power and the effects of sin. Emotionally, man's mind has got to be restored with the knowledge of God, filled with and full of the knowledge of the, of the things of God. Thirdly, man's physical body, when it comes into vital contact with the power of God, will be delivered from the effects of sin in the body, which is disease and sickness. And God is saying, it is my desire to show myself to be a living God, one who is alive, full of power, full of might, who is able and more than enough to meet the needs of lost and dying humanity. And beloved, I believe that's how revival then begins to take off. 
I believe that's how people then begin to be drawn in to the things of God. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our God, our own God, shall bless us. I don't know if you recall this incident, but I'm sure you do. It's in Acts chapter 16, I believe it is. And, and it was Philip, I'm sorry, it was Paul and Silas at Philippi. How many of you know that Paul had a pure heart when he went out ministering the things of God? How many of you know that when Paul got into trouble that he prayed? How many of you know then that he sang praises unto God? along with Silas. How many of you know that that resulted in the power? His heart motives were pure. He prayed. He praised. Truly praised God. The power of God, those four things, was in manifestation right in their midst. And it worked a work that only the power of God can work. You know, we think it's amazing that their, that their fetters and chains were destroyed and, and fell off of them. Beloved, that's only a part of the miracle. You know what it resulted in? A church was born. The church at Philippi. The Philippian church. The Philippian jail. Probably who otherwise would have never adhered to the things of God. He saw something happen, it happened in that jailhouse of his. He probably was a ruler over for who knows how long. But this time he saw something different happen. He saw something different take place. He saw in manifestation a power and a presence of a living God that was tangible, that had an effect upon things in the natural realm. And you know what? When he saw what he saw, he gave his heart to God. He accepted God's plan for his life. Salvation, drawing in the heathen by the power of God. People of God, when we go out there to the highways and byways in our own strength, in our own might, you know what? We're not going to be all that successful. But I want you to know that when we go out there with the power of God within our lives, when we represent the Lord Jesus Christ in demonstration of the power of the Spirit, and we represent the gospel being filled with and full of the power of God, then in the power of the Spirit, the work of the Lord will be done in a mighty way. And many who otherwise would not have come into the sheepfold of the family of God will see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and they too will be drawn in, not to religion, but to reality. And they'll experience reality with God. Can you say amen? Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.